I'm Julian G. Simmons, and this is a special Halloween episode of Talking About Our Generation. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a spooky welcome. Happy Samhain to our pagan listeners, and a special Bienvenido y Feliz Día de los Muertos to our Hispanic listeners. Happy Day of the Dead. Halloween is a time that stirs up memories of trick-or-treating, costumes, scary movies, and ghost stories. Recently, our director, Rob Wilson, and I sat down and talked about what Halloween means to us. For Rob, as a kid, it was the haunted house he conjured up every year in the basement. That kid is alive and well. He still loves setting up those creepy scenes. For me, it was saving up my allowance to buy my Halloween costume. There was a Woolworths around the corner, and I remember seeing the costumes in boxes all laid out on the old wooden counter. Usually, I chose to be a skeleton. We remember the excitement and the fear mixed with our strange attraction to the dark side. We still love how masks and costumes let us escape our identity and allow us to be someone or something other than who we actually are, even if only for one night. There is something seductive about Halloween, maybe because of its pagan origins in old Europe and our Judeo-Christian upbringing, we were led to believe there was something taboo beyond the pale about this holiday. Maybe that's why it's so much fun. <laughs> that's our American idea of Halloween. We rarely look past the surface to try and understand the real roots of the holiday. It's all about costumes and candy, grinning pumpkins, cackling witches, zombies, graveyards, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins. We know a little about Halloween's roots in the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, the rituals marking the end of the harvest and the beginning of the dark time. There is an equally mysterious celebration that most of us know even less about. The Mexican tradition of Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. You may have seen the people with their faces masterfully painted as stunning skulls, or the colorful parades and intricate altars of marigolds, candles, and a festive feast laid out on their ancestors' graves. It's all fascinating, but what's it all about? For this episode, we decided to find the answer. We gathered our courage and ventured into our local graveyard, the famous Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where many movie stars are buried. For 20 years, Hollywood Forever has also been the home of a hugely popular Dia de los Muertos celebration. Our guide into the unknown is Adela Marquez, one of the original organizers of that event. We chose a hundred-year-old marble mausoleum as the meeting place. So join me in the crypt.
we're sitting in this amazingly huge mausoleum talking with Adela Marquez. Marquez. Adela, besides this being like one of the most amazing cemeteries in the United States, just just simply because of the people that are buried or their ashes interred here at the cemetery. The cemetery is also a very, very social place. Uh, they, they have weddings here, they have film nights, all kinds of things. This cemetery is not your typical cemetery. I would say this is a very, I don't know if I should say it, but a happy cemetery. It's very spiritual. It's very, people love to come here. They come here to read, to eat their lunch, to to the movies. Well, I've come here to to movie events myself, and at first I thought it was, <laughs> it was a little bit weird. I know. To be in the cemetery at night, there's all these... You're not supposed to be happy in a cemetery, right? Right. <laughs> One of the things it's really become known for is it's a celebration of Dia de los Muertos. Am I saying that correct? That is correct, Dia de los Muertos. Tell us what that is and what's involved in it. Well, Dia de los Muertos has an ancient history. It goes back to, according to the historians, about 3,000 years ago. It goes back to the Aztecs, to the Mayans. They used to have their rituals to honor the death. So this is the modern celebration of Dia de los Muertos, but it does have a long history. It starts at about 3,000 years ago. It's interesting because we, in this country, the way we have celebrated Halloween is we, we put on costumes, we go trick-or-treating, we, we watch and tell ghost stories, and we get entertainment from all these scary things, but I don't think we've ever been told, at least baby boomers, what it actually is about. We've never made that connection between, even though it's all about skeletons and mummies and zombies and all that, we've never made the connection to the spiritual side of that. It's just been this scary thing that we, we do our pumpkins and go trick-or-treating, but it's this kind of entertaining thing as opposed to honoring the dead. We never really have done that. But Dia de los Muertos does. So how do you see the differences as someone who's an Mexican-American? How do you see the difference? That's a great question. Um, well, as, as we know, this uh, Halloween came from Europe, Ireland, you know, those, those histories. But once it was transferred to America, I think it just became more like a fun, scary, candy, dress-up, customs. Perhaps it started as a spiritual event, but when it came to America, then it was, it was only about the fun stuff, the dressing up in this. They did not continue with that spirituality. The difference between that and Dia de los Muertos, I, in my belief, and what I, for what I read, is the Dia de los Muertos is a spiritual event. It's the connection directly with your loved one that has passed away. It's that reunion. It's that opening of the window when you are able to reunite again with your grandparents, with your mom, or with your dad, whoever passed away. It's, it's wow, I had this opportunity to have this amazing person in my life and I'm grateful. And I'm going to cheer for that and I'm going to be happy because you were in my life. So I think that's kind of the attitude we take towards death.
and Samhain, they had this celebration for two reasons. One was it was the end of the harvest season and they were going in from the, the period of light into the period of dark. And it was also when they believed that the veil between life and death was the thinnest. So is, is some of that present in Dia de los Huertos where they believe, I mean, why that day? Is it because they also believe that that was when the veil was the thinnest? That is uh, correct. It is. That is, that, that, is the, that is the key to the event. That is the celebration. It is believed that it is the day when the window or the veil opens between, that when they are, the dead are allowed to visit the living. Um, yes. It's a celebration. It's a spiritual celebration, and the religious part comes from the Catholic Church. After the conquistadores arrived in Mexico in the 16th century, that's where, when the Spaniards came to Mexico, they brought it. Imagine two different worlds, and one of them is offering to their gods, young virgin goddesses, and they would put the skulls as part of their decoration. But those would be the real skulls, right? Those would be the real skulls. <laughs> Pretty scary, right? But after the conquistadores arrived to Mexico, they wanted to integrate both cultures. In Spain, they used to celebrate the two religious days, which were All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day on November 2nd. That was a Catholic celebration in Spain. They used to bring bread for the souls, and they would also go to the cemeteries and cover the cemeteries in flowers. So it's an integration of both cultures. So when the Spaniards arrived to Mexico, they integrated religion into their rituals so that they can attract mm -hmm. the indigenous people of Mexico. It's kind of like the Catholics took over a lot of pagan Rituals and, rituals yes, absolutely. To attract pagans into the... Into the church. Like, you, know, you were talking about the bread and all that. I was just thinking about, I think it's Scotland that they have this ritual of soul picks that they give to people on All Souls Day. All Souls Day. Tell me about the breads. What, what are they called? They are called soul food or food for the spirits. And it's... Pan, and what is that in Spanish? It's, it's pan de muerto. It's pan de muerto? Pan de muerto. Like bread for the dead? That's correct. Okay. Bread for the dead. And so there's kind of a combination. The pan de muerto, actually, we inherited from the Spaniards. They brought that to uh, Mexico. And then they also make the calaveras or the skeletons, the skulls from sugar skulls. So now this is a symbol. In, in the Dia de los Muertos, they would prepare uh, bread for the souls and sugar skulls. So they would give it to the kids and they would just part of the celebration. All Saints Day is November 1st, and All Souls Day, which is aka Dia de los Muertos, would be on November 2nd. November 1st is supposed to be for the babies, and November 2nd would be for the adults. But, and that's exactly where the window opens, between November 1st and November 2nd. Who 
was the lady? I can't pronounce her name. The lady uh, of the dad. Migdasiwa. Migdasiwa kau. Migdesiwa. Migdesiwa. So the lady of the dead in the Aztec mythology, her name was Migdesiwa. Mig. De, de, ka, ka, si, watle. Si, watle. Exactly. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. I have, have I, to look at it. It took me forever to learn her name. <laughs> she was um, a goddess, Aztec goddess. I understand she was very young because all the goddesses uh, back in the day, they were probably like 12, 13 years old because a lot of them also used to be sacrificed at mm -hmm. very young age in offerings to their gods. And she was the lady of the dead and she was in charge of overseeing the bones, the dead. Oh, it wow. was, it was, uh, yeah, that, that's what, what history tells us. So the celebration now obviously still honors her. The celebration today has transformed into a modern version of the Lady of the Dead. In 1910, there was a revolution in Mexico and a lot of the people were rebelling against the societies, the Spaniards, and it was the revolution. So there was this painter, very famous painter by the name of Jose Guadalupe Posada, who painted La Calaca, the, which is a skeleton but he called it, it was like a satire against the government and against the rich people. So our modern Lady of the Dead would be La Catrina, which started in Aguascalientes in 1910 by this painter. And today, everybody paints their faces like La Catrina, you can see during the festivities. So the skull even goes back farther than the political statement of painting this, the La Catrina. Yeah, so the skulls was before, during the, the Aztec yeah. period. And the painting is the modern La Catrina, which was in 1910 after the, revo the Mexican Revolution. Yeah, okay. yeah so, so it's a celebration. Absolutely. So like one of the things they, they do is they, they use marigold petals. Marigold to show the path. And to show the path to come like kind of a, light, a way of light. I suppose back in the day they didn't have, well, of course they didn't have candles or maybe they did, but but anyway, so it was a symbolic spiritual way of showing the spirit how to follow the path to come to where their loved ones were. So and we is, still is do it. Is it the spiritual path for those who have passed on to the living or the living to the dead? From the dead coming back to the living, to their okay. loved ones. And also after, the, after the, the window closes, then to show them the path to go back to whatever, you know, the so it's piece. the same, the marigold petals? The marigold flowers. petals, the marigold flowers. In Samhain, they also did something where they used uh, masks or they created pumpkins because they were afraid that the dead would take some of the living back with them. Was that ever a concern in, in this? Not at all, not at all. In the Mexican tradition, it's not anything about, I'm afraid of, I want to protect myself because I'm afraid that you're going to hurt me. It's an op open arms, open celebration. It's, it's a big fiesta. So, it, so, for example, when you were talking about La Catrina, 
Yes. Uh, the painting your face like a skeleton has nothing to do with any kind of disguise against the dead when they come. No, like it's purely a political thing, is what you're saying. Like Adina started as a political uh, thing uh, during the revolution, the Mexican Revolution, 1910, and. Uh, it evolved, and so in, in fact, back in Aguascalientes, where the, the painter lived, there is a festival, the, the Festival de las Catrinas, and they have been celebrating it for over 90 years. Halloween here for, since I was a kid, I'm sure much longer than that, but when we really started celebrating Halloween in this country, um, and it really has been just in the last century where it's become a popular thing. Mm -hmm. um, but we always, you know, it was all about the, the scariness of it, the, you know, the ghouls and the ghosts and goblins and things like that. Something to be afraid of. So our attraction was, yes, to, to, to the dead, but also something to be fearful of. But in Dia de los Muertos, it's the exact opposite. Yes, that is correct. So can you talk about that at all? I mean, yes. What, what, what is it culturally, do you think, that makes that difference between the way we looked at Halloween, which is celebrated basically from day time? It is. Um, I, I, in my opinion, and, and history tells us that, Dia de los Muertos is more a spiritual celebration, more a joyful celebration. I am so happy my mother is coming back this day. She's allowed to come back. I'm going to receive her with her favorite drink, her favorite food, her favorite flower, her favorite music. It's a celebration, spiritual celebration. And of course, the spirituality and the religious part comes from the Catholic Church. That's where, when the Spaniards came to Mexico, they brought it. Uh, is that like, for example, I know that they create, some people create these amazing altars, altars yes. for this celebration. Is that what the altars are about? It's more the religious aspect of it? In yes, the, the, the altars come from the, from the religious part. Because you, you put the picture of your loved ones that have uh, passed away and you put flowers, water, to show them the path to come and join us. And then at the same time, to show them the way to go back. And there is also where the marigolds play the role in these altars. You know, I have a question kind of off the side of this, but there's a James Bond movie where they're doing a scene that's happening and it seems to be right in the smack in the middle of this amazing Day of the Dead celebration. It's like a parade or something. It, do you know, does that actually happen in Mexico? Do they have this oh, yes. huge problem? Oh yes, do they, they do. do. It's very big. And it, it, it's become bigger and bigger. Because yeah, the costumes and it just was mind blowing when, when, I, when I saw it. So back here, to, I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, that's okay. I think the new generations are taking it to the, to, to the next level. They are just, now they consider this event as a cultural event. It's very, very popular. It has become very popular in the United States because so many Hispanics are living here. So they kind of take this as their cultural heritage and celebrate that. And so we have people coming from all over the world. Plus, I think in Los Angeles alone, I think at least 50%, but I think it's more like 60% of the population in this area 
is Hispanic. Hispanic, that is correct. So it seemed like a, a natural evolution that it would include something like the Los Muertos. And one of the things that Dia de los Muertos does is uh, at, at, here in Hollywood forever and in other uh, places in Los Angeles is we empower the Latino artists to expose their art. We have a lot of artists, painters, sculptors, people that paint faces. So you can like come here and have your face painted? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Let's talk about the event that happens here at Hollywood Forever every year. Of course, it's not happening this year because of COVID-19. Correct. But it's becoming an incredibly popular event here in Hollywood. So tell me, how did that start? How did you become involved? It started over 20 years ago. My sister, Daisy Marquez, is the one that came up with the idea. She met Tyler, who is the owner of the cemetery and she proposed the idea. She said, I, I would like to do this celebration uh, at Hollywood Forever and, and bring this tradition to Hollywood Forever. What do you think? Well, they were both in their 20s, very adventurous. And Tyler believes in celebration of life. So that idea appealed to him. He was very excited about it. They both went to Michoacan, to Oaxaca, to see all the celebrations that happened in those cemeteries over there. And they were so excited that they started the first day of the dead here more than 20 years ago. When you first did the event 20 years ago, was it a small thing or did it, was it like it is today? Uh, we started with maybe 300 people. So we made our, our, our own altars. We wanted to show the community what it was like to celebrate and to, be a, to have the spiritual event in Hollywood Forever in the cemetery. And it just little by little people we're attracted to this event and every year it just increased the number of people and today we have 40,000. Wow. I was kind of skeptical about it until I actually experienced coming through the gates of the cemetery that was magical. As you walk into the cemetery you will smell the incense, you will see the dancers, you will see a lot of marigolds. Walking through the cemetery to the left and right, you will see altars, you will see people dressed up as skeletons, people from all over the world. You will see families together, families putting food for their loved ones, all of their favorite food, whatever they liked. We bring the best food that they liked, including drinks, tequila can be, when the food is brought, are the people actually partaking in it, or are yes. they putting it on an altar? They're they actually put, eating it too. They put it on an altar, and they bring that big, the big thing. Everybody eats. It's a, it's a fiesta. It's so, a, so they put it on the altar, and is there some kind of ritual that happens before then they actually start eating it? They will do prayers. They will do candles. They will do music. They will do incense. So, are the prayers based on like? Catholic prayers? Catholic, normally, or whatever. If you're spiritual, you just like, Grandmother, I'm here because I love you. I will never forget you. And we know that as long as I remember, you will always stay in our hearts and you will always be alive for us. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I, I choose to believe that my father is here tonight to visit me. And I'm going to embrace this moment and this opportunity. And faith is very powerful, right? So if you... If you can believe that, and if you can embrace that, then you can bring it into 
into your, your, your surface and you can celebrate that. It's about an energy. It's about the energy of the people that are there truly to celebrate. So I think what people see when they come to the cemetery is exactly that energy. Has anyone ever said to you that they've actually experienced meeting their relative? Yes, they have, they have experienced feeling their presence. Oh, yes. I have heard many people telling me that they have felt their presence when during the Day of the Dead. Not that they've seen it, they just feel their presence. You know how sometimes you feel like you're not alone, like there's a presence? That's what it is. Is there a difference between the way people our age, baby boomers, I, I don't know if you're a baby boomer, I can't say that. I am a baby boomer. Okay. <laughs> so, so um, do, do you ever notice a difference between the way we relate to it and the way, say, a young person does? I mean, like, I know that you've said that, you know, at, at night the event becomes very lively and it's very young. Yes. And it's definitely more of a party atmosphere. Yes. Whereas during the day... It's more the spiritual part. It is the spiritual part during the day. Yes. Is it more emotional, would you say, during the day? I would say so, yes. That's when the people would have the opportunity to come with their... their normally we open at noon time, so the, the families would come and bring their children, and the children would get their faces painted, and they would just walk throughout the cemetery, seeing the altars, eating some food. We, ha we have food vendors here, looking at the art crafts, looking at the art. We have art exhibits. We have five different stages throughout the cemetery. We have plenty of entertainment. And at the end, about 9, 10 o'clock, the main stage presents the main artist of the year. Uh, I would say that the baby boomers probably will come earlier, like maybe 2, 3 o'clock. And then the more daring one will stay until the night. <laughs> and those who like to dance and party would stay through the night. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. When you work here late at night, have you ever felt uncomfortable? Never. I have walked the cemetery at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I have never felt anything like a bad energy or a presence that is going to hurt me or anything like that. Uh, if anything, I feel a lot of spirituality, a lot of peace. In fact, I have gone to the prep room where the dead, where we keep the, the people that have died, and uh, they are, it's peaceful. So have you actually gone there when they're preparing the dead? And a long time ago, I went with this young man who came from Europe. He was going to school, and then his mother wanted to uh, bring his body back to, I think it was, it was I'm not sure if it was Rome. Uh, in any case, um, I just wanted to make sure that uh, uh, he, was, he was prepared, and I went there. Death is such a powerful, powerful, scene. Uh, he was, he looked with such dignity, like with his long hair. I, I will never forget that. I've never gone back after that. But I will never forget with a lot of dignity, beautiful young men, and uh, uh, they were preparing his body to, ship, to go back to his mother. It was very sad, but it was very powerful. Uh, because of course there's a lot of sadness in losing a loved one. But then, 
on the day of the dead, that's why it's so important, because that's when we feel the joy of reuniting with them again. There's a lot of joy that day. There's a lot of celebration. This immense feeling of connection and spirituality just envelops you. In my experience, and I have experienced this for the past 20 years, it's a magical day. Don't ask me. You just have to experience. And music is a really big part of the celebration. Yes. And you actually sang a song, uh, La, La Llorona, is that it? La Llorona. La Llorona. Say it again. The, La Llorona. La Llorona. The Weeping Woman. The Weeping Woman's, yes, I do sing that song. It's a very traditional song that people sing. Losing a loved one is always, it's like taking a piece of your heart, it's like ripping a piece of your heart. So these songs are very, it's like a lament. It's like a, that pain that comes from that space of that void, that sadness, that sorrow. So most of these songs are, are sad. So with that song, La Llorona, uh, you, you actually recorded it and quite beautifully. Thank you. And you, you played the guitar as well? I do, yes. So what, why did you choose that particular song? What, what about that song spoke to you that you felt compelled to record it? Um, I'll tell you a personal story. In 2008, my little nephew, who was two years old, he drowned in Mexico. His name was Julian. Oh my God. Yeah, that's why I love your name. Yeah, his name was Julian. I was in a hotel in Guadalajara. About 18 adults were there, my family, even the owner of the cemetery, Tyler, he was there. My, my sister was in the reception area and the guy there asked her, you have a phone call? And then she says, I, I can't take that. I'm taking care of my little grandson. And then he said, well, can you just, just one minute, just, they're telling you that they're coming for the restaurant or whatever. And then she took the phone, Julian go, there was a duck in the, in the reception area. Julian goes and runs oh, after the duck. The duck goes running to the pond and there's no separation on the pond. It's, here's the grass, here's the pond. There's nothing like a barrier. So he goes in there and uh, that was it. My, my sister was yelling around, Julian, Julian, where is Julian? Asking for him. And all of a sudden, we started looking all over for him. We couldn't find him. Finally, I hear this, this scream like I will never forget when she saw him. It came from her soul. I cannot describe it. That was the worst night of our lives. And we stayed up the whole night. We prayed, we sang. We were already celebrating the Day of the Dead. We dedicated that year of the day of the Dia de los Muertos at Hollywood Forever to Julian. We believe that he is a wonderful spirit that was loaned to us for a couple of years to teach us a lot of lessons and to teach us a lot of, about love and unity. My family became very close and we we honor him every year. Every year when we do the Dia de los Muertos, we put a big altar for the community and his picture is always there. Wow. And uh, I, I normally don't like to sing in public, but I sing at my church. But um, 
So what I they invited me if I wanted to sing, and I said yes. I want to, I want to honor him. So I did sing that uh, that year. La Llorona comes from a space of sorrow, from a space of pain, of losing that loved one. And that's why when I sing it, I just come from like, I try to get my voice from there. It's like, like, like a cry, kind of. It's like, um, So we basically took this song of La Llorona and we added a lot of verses. Like the one that I just sung is about a cemetery. How the flowers at the cemetery have this magical or their mystic uh, presence that when the wind kisses them, it appears like if they were crying. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about your nephew. Thank you, my dear. And I hope next year that you are able to do this event again. Um, God willing, we will. And we will definitely attend. Yes, I will. we would love to have you here. Thank you so much, Thank Adele. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have to say that when I heard Adela's story of her young nephew and her hauntingly beautiful voice singing La Llorona, I had trouble controlling my emotions. It reminded me, as perhaps it does for you, of the people that were so dear to me that I have lost and I miss so much. I do celebrate Samhain, but I have never attended the Dia de los Muertos event. Now I plan to. The idea of having a party for the departed really appeals to me. Whatever you celebrate this time of year, we wish you well. Now, to close this episode, here is the full recording of Adela Marquez performing La Llorona. Salías del templo un día llorona cuando al pasar yo te vi Salías del templo un día llorona cuando al pasar yo te vi Hermoso huipil llevabas llorona que la virgen te creí Hermoso huipil llevabas llorona que la virgen te creí Dicen 
tengo duelo, llorona, porque no me ven llorar. Dicen que no tengo duelo, llorona, porque no me ven llorar. Hay muertos que no hacen ruido, llorona, y es más grande su pena. Hay muertos que no hacen ruido, llorona, y es más grande su pena. Llévame al río Ay, de mi llorona, llorona, llorona Llévame al río Tápame con tu rebozo, llorona Porque me muero de frío Tápame con tu rebozo, llorona Porque me muero de frío Ay, de mi llorona, llorona, llorona De azul celeste Ay, de mi llorona, llorona, llorona De azul celeste Aunque la vida me cueste, llorona no dejaré de quererte Aunque la vida me cueste llorona No dejaré de quererte Aunque la vida me cueste llorona No dejaré de quererte Thank you, Adela, and Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Stay safe, everyone, and stay in touch. This is Julian G. Simmons. Thanks for listening. This podcast includes copyrighted material which has not always been specifically authorized by the copyright owner. This content is used only where it is the specific subject of commentary by us and our guests, as part of our effort to advance understanding of issues of social and historical significance. We believe that this constitutes a fair use of the material in accordance with the fair use section of U.S. copyright law, section 107, which reads, the fair use of a copyrighted work, for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research, is not an infringement of copyright. Further information on this claim of fair use may be found on our website, at talkingaboutourgeneration.com.